Welcome to the Money and Momming Podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine Tillery, and I love to talk about all things personal finance and mom life. So quick disclaimer for this episode. This episode does deal with sensitive topics, so please use your discretion if you want to keep watching or listening. We're going to cover NICU awareness for NICU Awareness Month. September is NICU Awareness Month. We're going to talk about my experience in the NICU, finances during that time, and also what you can do to support a family or friend that has a baby or babies in the NICU. Before we jump into that though, let's get into this hair. If you're watching, you'll notice that I cut all my hair off. If you follow me on Instagram, that was recently posted. And I just got to tell you, like, it's something I wish I did while my girls were in the NICU because doing hair is just a chore. And I had a lot of moms telling me on Instagram that when their babies were in the NICU, this is exactly what they did. So it took me 20 months later, but here I am in the short hair gang and I'm loving it already. It's so freeing and I just, I wish I did it sooner. So let's talk about the NICU. I I wanted to preface this by saying when I found out I was having twins, I never thought that that was a place that we would be. I never gave it any thought. I knew the girls would come early, but I I never thought that early. I had my girls at 25 weeks and five days. And the NICU, I always thought was just a place for preemies. So the NICU is a neonatal intensive care unit and they serve more than just preemie babies. It's for any newborn babies that need any type of medical intervention. So assistance with breathing, babies that are born with withdrawal symptoms, or also any babies needing any type of surgery. So just all these little tiny humans that are brand new to the world that need extra medical help. And when we got there, well, first of all, when I got to the hospital, I thought I was just going to be on bed rest for a little bit, or at least until the girls came, so like at least another 10 weeks. So I went in at 25 weeks. So I thought that I was going to be on bed rest. Well, the day that they were going to send me home, they said, okay, well, let's just wait a little bit. And then, you know, if everything's fine, we come check you again, you'll go home. About an hour later, I started to have contractions and then my water broke. So I was not going home. And then within the hour, my girls were born. I had a C-section. They were born. I didn't see them. They went straight to the NICU. I went to recovery. And then that night, I begged to see them. They said no. And I had to wait till the next day. So I was just terrified. Luckily, my husband was able to take pictures of them and see them. And uh, he was able to go into the NICU the day that they were born but they they needed so much help because they were way too early. We got to learn quickly the different milestones of the NICU. Um, When the girls were born, they were weighed in grams. They were one pound, 14 ounces, one pound, 13 ounces. And we quickly learned the milestones and also all the machines and the monitors with that meant and all the beats, like what did that mean? Going from being intubated to the CPAP machine, to the nose cannula, to room air. Like those were the milestones. We wanted the girls to get to room air off oxygen. And also we wanted to get them feeding out of a bottle at some point. So those are just some of the things that like, I had no idea about what this meant, what this looked like. When I first got there, I just saw a bunch of tubes. I'm scared out of my mind. Like what's going on? Like are my babies okay? Because they were so tiny. Like I used to I used to wear this shirt. If you're watching on my YouTube, you can see the shirt I'm wearing. But I used to wear this shirt 
to go see them. And I would put them right in my shirt to do skin to skin and hold them. So that's how tiny they were. So I would say we got into a groove rather quickly. Like once I started to heal and could walk myself and could drive myself to the hospital, that was a game changer. And I probably pushed myself a little too hard at that time, but you know, you do what you gotta do for your babies. And then right before the girls turn six weeks, that's when one of my daughters got sick. We had no idea what was going on. So the day before she got sick, both of the girls were off of all breathing assistance. And they were telling me, you know, as long as they do great tomorrow, you can hold them both together. Well, the next day was a weekend. It was a Saturday. And we were on our way to the hospital that morning to go see the girls. And my husband and I, we had said, okay, the girls are doing so well. Let's go see them. I'm going to hold the girls together. And then let's go to lunch because the nurses are telling us for the longest time, you know, you have to have some time for yourselves before the girls come home. You have to have to, have to go on a date something. Like they were trying to force me out of there to like have some me time. And we said we were going to go. And then as we're on our way to the hospital, we get a call from the nurse. And if you are a preemie mom or a NICU mom, you know if that phone rings with the hospital's number, your mind automatically goes to the worst. It doesn't matter what's going on. I like, And I told him, call me for any and everything, good, bad, whatever. And the calls had always been so positive. And so when I get the call that had to put her back on her oxygen she's not feeling so well uh can you come in and then from there that week is a blur so she had a series of two surgeries but before she could get her second surgery done my daughter had passed away and this was march of last year and the day that my daughter passed away that was also the last day that my son who was in third grade at the time that was his last day of school because COVID hit. So basically our, our experience went left really quickly. Here we are going from both girls on room air, you can hold them both together tomorrow, to me holding them both together for the first time with one of my daughters in heaven. She Her body was there, but she wasn't there. And my son had never met her. And that sucked. That was... That was terrible. Now I have to return to this NICU where my daughter died, but I have another daughter there and I have to show up for her and be there for her every day and we have to get her home. We have to get her home. That was, that was the only goal there. How quickly can we get her home? But then the hospital shut down, basically said no visitors besides pediatric patients and maternity patients. So obviously we could go, but we had to go one at a time. So less than 24 hours, we had to show up to the hospital by ourselves and take turns to see our, our other daughter at the same hospital that our other daughter passed away. So that was, honestly, I don't know how we did it. When I look back on how we were able to show up every day, keep going, um, and be there for our son as he transitioned to online school, and plan a service for our daughter. It was a lot. Like that's the, the only way I can describe it. I'm really like lost for words when I think about it because I, I don't know how we got through it. So 
from there, we had, we were taking all the COVID precautions. This was at the time when COVID was brand new. We had no idea what was going on. And so my biggest fear then was somebody coming into the NICU, they're COVID positive. How does this affect the babies? There's already enough stuff going on. Like, I just want to get home. By the time Avery was 10 weeks, it was time to come home. So we spent 70 days in the NICU. She came home. And then when we got home, all those beeping sounds and all of basically all the noise of the NICU. It's not a, a very noisy place because they're small babies. They keep it very quiet. And there was only one parent at a time. But, you know, the noise of nurses walking up and down the hallway or the beeping from the heart monitors or the machines, you get really used to that. It, it becomes like your background music. We got home. We didn't have any of that. We have this baby here. And now I'm like, well, where's our night nurse? What's going on? What am I supposed to do with her? And... It was just a way different experience because of my son. You know, he was born healthy, six pounds. He was overdue. He was over six pounds. He came straight home with me from the hospital. I was much younger. I lived with my parents. So this is a brand new experience for me where I have this baby who, for the first 10 weeks of her life, you know, she's over two months old now, but she's basically the size of a, a regular newborn. She was about five pounds when she came home. And it's like, I don't know what to do with her. I don't know what to do with out the breathing machines or the heart monitor telling me that she's okay and so that was a really stressful time we didn't sleep the first week that she was home we didn't sleep at all and then at the same time I'm still trying to pump and my milk supply took a major hit because the loss of a child obviously very stressful very devastating any type of stress can affect your milk supply and so trying to just adjust to home life was very very difficult one thing I will say that was a breeze for us during that time was finances. So let's talk about the financial side of these things. When we found out that we were pregnant, because we did go through the IVF process, so we, we knew when it would happen, uh, for the most part, had everything gone to plan with the IVF process. When we found out we were pregnant, we decided to save as much money as we could. Now, with my job, because I, I do work full-time with my job, I have great benefits and my maternity leave benefits are awesome. And with that, I wasn't gonna be missing out on any money anytime soon. So in terms of what's paid 100%, we have a pretty good policy to where a lot of that time is paid before I would have to take any type of reduced payment. And with that, we decided to save as much as we could so that way when it does drop down to the reduced, I can take as much time as I need off from work and also to just be prepared because we're gonna have these twins home. And so we decided to save as much as we could. And a lot of people call that the stork fund. So when you find out that you're pregnant, you stop all extra debt payments, um, if that makes sense for you, and you save as much money as you can. We did not stop all our extra debt payments right away because we were so close to paying off a couple of things. So we did that first and then we just started to stash our money. But when you think about it, we didn't get the full 40 weeks. I still had another 15 weeks worth of saving to do that we didn't even get to do. But because we were able to save so much in the beginning and we made that plan and we were on the same page, that really saved us financially to the point where the maternity leave money was a plus, but that wasn't something that we had to rely on. And that's something 
that I tell a lot of new moms or pregnant moms when they're saying, oh, well, I'm pregnant. We want to budget for this baby or what do I need for a baby? Well, first you want to make sure that you have some money put away because in the event of an emergency or a situation, anything, you want to make sure you're prepared. And obviously what I went through is not something that I ever want any parent to go through, but it's real life and these things happen. And I'm so grateful that we were financially prepared to take care of our bills, our home, our our other children, our dog, you know, groceries. Every, like we were able to take care of what we need to take care of, a service for our daughter. And had we not had that money put away, we would have been dealing with all of that on top of the financial strains of all of it. And so my piece of advice to any expected parents or as you're planning to have children, outside of your emergency fund, create a stork fund. Once you find out you're expecting a baby, start saving. The next piece I want to talk about is how can you support families that are in the NICU? So if you have a family member or a friend that has a baby in the NICU or babies in the NICU, being there for them and showing up for them is the best thing you can do. It truly is. The people that showed up for us and helped us and were there for us, I will never, ever, ever forget what they did, how they did it, who did what. That is something I'm so grateful to our family and friends for. So one of the first things you can do, if they have other kids or pets, offering to step in and help with those other kids or their pets. So we had great friends of ours who were uh, in the middle of planning their wedding. Their wedding was that March. And we had the girls at the end of January. They took our dog that whole time up until the week of their wedding. And they were trying to keep him for that. And I told her, no, like you have to get married this weekend. Um, <laughs> so, but having people that were able to take the dog because we were going to board him and that would have cost us money. Um, but he was, he loves our house. They have dogs and they were just great with him. We love them. And that was so helpful for us. One less thing to worry about in terms of my son. Um, we don't live too far from his dad and his stepmom, and they were so awesome. We're able to just step right in, um, and change up their schedules because we do operate on a schedule. We are pretty flexible. Like we don't really have like strict time in terms of when he goes, when he doesn't go, but we do operate on the schedule and where they couldn't fill in. We had enough family between his dad, stepmom, my parents, my sisters, you know, our family really supported us and, and helped uh, with our other son to make sure that everything for him was as normal as it could possibly be in a time where normal just went out the window for the most part because now he's not even in school to feed off of his friends and be around friends. So normal went out the window, but we try to keep things as normal as possible for him. One of the other things that I thought was like the best gift ever or the best support ever during that time was our friends that sent meals or gift cards for meals. So we had got a gift card for one of those meal delivery services. We got gift cards for just takeout. Uh, we had people offer to make us food. I felt like that was the best use of the type of gift to give someone uh, when they're in the NICU or also dealing with grief because 
I mean, God bless them, but people sent plants and I am not a plant person. Like I'm looking across this room at my plants that are currently dying because I'm a horrible plant mom. But when you lose someone, the last thing you want is something else that can die. And so to receive plants and then to have them die a week after um, my child died was just not the best for me mentally and emotionally. I understand and I'm appreciative of the gesture, but that just, for me, that wasn't the best, uh, the best way to deal with that at the time. However, I'm always gonna wanna eat. And you know, during times of grief or stress, people tend to forget to eat. They tend to let you know, everything else become a priority besides themselves. Um, I was pumping, so I had to eat. My body just would, was not allowing me to not eat. Having those meal gift cards uh, or meals prepared for me were super, super helpful. Also helping to maintain the house and the yard. If you are able to help that person out, if they're comfortable enough to have you come in their house and clean, do it. My parents and my sisters, they were on it for us. Uh, making sure that the house was together. They kept groceries in the house when we needed them, if I didn't have time. Or if they don't want you in their space like that or all up in their stuff, ask, okay, well, is it okay if I send a house cleaner? Uh, yes. The Even if somebody says no the first time, I don't think there's any harm in asking again a little bit later um, because they might not want to impose. So even if you ask if you can help with this stuff. You know how people always say, if you need anything, let me know. People really won't let you know. Taking it a step further and just checking back in, I think is really important for times like that. And then the last thing is support after the NICU. So once we get through this stage in our life, which is extremely difficult, extremely stressful, you come home and you have a different type of extremely difficult and extremely stressful. So it's just like when you bring home a newborn, you know, two or three days after you have them, having that support and having that uh, assistance with, again, cleaning, entertaining other kids and pets, helping with meals, everything that you would do in the NICU, having that support after. Um, also understand that there's an emotional piece to this that is a lot different from when you bring a kid home. And so the way that one of my nurses described this to me, uh, you know, right after I had the girls was, it's okay to grieve the experience that you didn't have. So it's okay to be sad at the fact that you didn't make it full term and that you didn't get to experience that or that you didn't get to go to your baby shower while still pregnant. It's okay to be sad about those things. And that is a loss because Everything that you thought would happen didn't. And that's a piece of grief that that sticks with you. Also the guilt. I felt so guilty that I couldn't hold them in long. I don't know how I would have held them in longer, but I felt like I needed to do more to hold my girls in and keep them in and bake them a little bit longer. And the mom guilt that I felt with that was just very, very draining. Um, and even now, sometimes I still have those thoughts. Uh, here we are 20 months later, and sometimes I think, well, how different things would be if this, or how different things would be if that, you know, doing the whole bargaining thing. But, you know, having the support of family and friends, even now, has helped me. 
And so if you are listening to this and you have family members or friends who have babies in the NICU, please, please, please just offer them that support. Please check back in with them and make sure that they know that you're there for them. I think that's the most important. And so as we close out NICU Awareness Month, I really hope that this episode has helped someone to be able to either prepare for a baby or also help with a family member or friend get through a trying time in the NICU or if they've already been in the NICU, help them even further after the fact they've gotten home. So thank you so much for listening and watching if you're on YouTube. And if you are listening to the podcast, please leave a review and download and follow for more episodes. So here we are going from both girls on room air. You can hold them both together tomorrow. To me, holding them both together for the first time with one of my daughters in heaven. She, her body was there, but she wasn't there. And my son had never met her. And that sucked. That was, that was terrible. But then that's not even the worst part. The worst part of it was Now I have to return to this NICU where my daughter died, but I have another daughter there and I have to show up for her and be there for her every day and we have to get her home. We have to get her home. That was was the only goal there. How quickly can we get her home? But then the hospital shut down, basically said no visitors besides pediatric patients and maternity patients. So obviously we could go, but we had to go one at a time. So less than 24 hours, we had to show up to the hospital by ourselves and take turns to see our our other daughter um, at the same hospital that our other daughter passed away. So that was, honestly, I don't know how we did it. When I look back on how we were able to show up every day, keep going, and be there for our son as he transitioned to online school and plan a service for our daughter. It was a lot. Like that's the that only way I can describe it. I'm really like lost for words when I think about it because 
I, I don't know how we got through it besides God and our families. So from there, we had, uh, we were taking all the COVID precautions. This was at the time when COVID was brand new. We had no idea what was going on. And so my biggest fear then was somebody coming into the NICU, they're COVID positive. How does this affect the babies? There's already enough stuff going on. Like, I just want to get home. 